morning and welcome to a Friday the 13th edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Well, what does that mean? Probably nothing, but it will be a stormy Friday. Not here on the podcast, just uh, outside uh, the one man in a basement studios of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. Appreciate your time and the uh, privilege of being able to speak to you today about some sports, about some uh, faith matters as we wrap up the week and head into the first week of the high school football season. That's right, a week from today, the high school football season will start all throughout Ohio. That'll be exciting, and hopefully it will be um, untouched by COVID protocols as we hopefully can get back to normal, as we are now seeing more and more school districts battling with the idea of whether or not to mask or to uh, unmask or remain unmasked. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, We will start today with a shout out to our friends at auiinfo.com, a great resource for you as an individual or as a business owner. And a business can be two people. It can be up to 50 people. AUI is a small business. They have 17 people on staff and they are there to help you. Healthcare issues, health insurance issues rather, are questions they can answer quickly, easily via their chat feature at auiinfo.com. So if you're not Taking advantage of that, if you're trying to research it on your own, you're wasting time, and you're probably, well, I know you can't be as assured that you will get the right information. So make it happen, auiinfo.com. They'll get you steered into a plan where you'll get more buying power from uh, other businesses like yourself in Chamber of Commerce plans or group plans. You can band together with them and get a better rate and get a better result for your employees. And right now, hiring is a real challenge. So let auiinfo.com help you free. I said free. They do not charge you. It's not like, oh, you can do with them. You get one or two free calls. No. Everything you do with AUI is free. They're paid by the companies that you select from the options that they present. So remember, auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. All right, I'm going to do something today on the podcast that I never do. And I wonder if I could do it even if Spiels was here, which is talk baseball. We'll get to the Field of Dreams game because it was a phenomenal game, a phenomenal experience. Everything about it was phenomenal. But that'll lead us into the faith portion of the podcast. And so let's start with Ohio State football. The uh, Quinn Ewers arrival must not have happened yesterday because I don't see anything about it online. He was supposed to arrive yesterday. Maybe he'll be here this weekend. Uh, he will ride into town and immediately capture everyone's fancy in practice, uh, but he will not, I don't think, start for Ohio State in the season opener. But Kyle McCord might. Oh, yesterday was the grand day that all uh, a Twitter was a Twitter over the loss of Kyle McCord's black stripe. I don't know if you're allowed to play for Ohio State if you still have your black stripe on your helmet, but this is kind of a thing that I um, think was a unique Urban Meyer thing. You know, when kids sign with Ohio State, they're lauded as Buckeyes, but they're not really Buckeyes under the Urban era unless they prove what they thought about them in recruiting and they have a black stripe on their helmet and... All of a sudden now they're really Buckeyes when they lose their black stripe. Okay, Uh, you can tell that I snicker at this, but uh, 
it's it's a thing, okay? And I know fans care about it, and it's it is kind of cool. I don't know that anybody else does it. Maybe they do, but uh, it is what it is. So uh, Kyle McCord has his black stripe, and now he can, I guess, evenly compete with C.J. Stroud with Jack Miller, and we'll see if Kyle McCord has any designs on the job. I personally think it'll be Stroud. I base it on nothing other than Stroud in the spring. Look pretty sharp, so we'll see. But Kyle McCord has lost his black stripe. Uh, Otherwise, for Ohio State, they're just loaded, man. And they're ranked fourth in the preseason, which I'm kind of surprised. Was it fourth or fifth? Anyway, they're ranked below Oklahoma, which I don't understand that. They're going to be ranked higher than Oklahoma very soon during the season because unless Oklahoma makes the greatest defensive improvement ever, Ohio State's defense is going to be fine. Their offense is going to be amazing. And I just don't think Oklahoma's a better team than Ohio State. Clemson, Alabama, eh, maybe. Georgia's right there. We'll see. But Ohio State, to me, is far and away the class of the Big Ten. And um, they're going to be dominant. Very, very dominant. That we know. What do we know about the Browns and the Bengals? Well, we're getting closer to preseason games. They'll play this weekend. Bengals will play Tampa Bay, and Joe Burrow will not play. With the Bengals, it's all about Joe Burrow, and it's no doubt that Joe Burrow is the real deal as a quarterback, but he's coming back from an ACL repair, and he's acknowledging what a lot of people do not acknowledge when they come back from ACL surgery, which is their biggest battle is mental, not physical. Joe Burrow has stated that he's was not comfortable with guys being around his lower legs early in camp. And he threw a lot of, well, he threw for him a lot of interceptions in camp. And so now he says there was a day when everything clicked. But I tend to think it's reasonable to assume that everything clicking in practice and everything clicking in a game are different. So the Bengals said they were not going to play him in the preseason. Now Zach Taylor, the head coach, is backing off that, saying he just won't play on Saturday night. But I think for the Bengals, it would behoove them to get Joe Burrow in for a couple series in the preseason, maybe the third week, just to make sure that he's comfortable getting out there in the season opener September 12th against the Minnesota Vikings. So we'll stand by and keep an eye on that. The other issue with the Bengals is safety Jesse Bates, who's one of their best defenders, maybe their best defender, Jesse Bates is in the final year of his rookie contract, and it's time for the Bengals to extend Jesse Bates, and they haven't done it yet, but they have extended Sam Hubbard, former Buckeye, defensive end, same draft class as Jesse Bates. Sam Hubbard definitely deserves to be extended, and they did, a $40 million deal. Bates will command more money, and you know what? The Bengals always get a little hinky when more money is involved. They have to extend Jesse Bates, and the sooner the better, because they have to show the other guys on the team that they're serious about winning. And to not extend Jesse Bates and to let this get contentious, and it will if they don't do it, is kind of a thumbing of the nose to fans, to players, to the coaching staff. Come on, Bengals. You got the money. Extend Jesse Bates. You don't have to extend Joe Burrow for like three more years. So get it done. Silly to wait, to dawdle, to mess around 
and allow a potentially explosive situation to fester and become explosive. Similarly, if you are named in a legal action or feel like your rights have been infringed upon, don't wait around. Get a hold of my friends at Willis Spangler Starling and find out if they can provide you the counsel and expertise that you need to relax. I can't imagine. Well, yes, I can, because I've been involved in a legal action I was pressing, and it was stressful. And I didn't have a good attorney, because it was pre my relationship with Willis Spangler Starling. And I spent a lot of money, and I wasted a lot of money, because I was told things by an attorney that didn't happen. And I'm confident in telling you that that won't happen at Willis Spangler Starling because I've found them to be very honest, very open, very frank with me. And that's what you want in an attorney. If you don't have a case or if it's going to take a long time and you're going to invest a lot of money, and then you should know that up front, not after the fact, being guaranteed you're only going to spend X and find out you have to spend three times X and that it's going to take three times as long as you thought. So I'd love to have the money back that I wasted pressing that legal action. Even though I was in the right, I didn't have great counsel. And so I paid for it, literally and figuratively. Don't make the same mistake I did. Go with a firm that can represent you in all manner of the law, whether it's personal injury, wills estate planning, workers' comp, employment law, all the biggies. Willis Spangler Starling is the firm located on Truman Boulevard, just north of Mill Run, available to you always online at willisattorneys.com. That's willisattorneys.com. In the NFL, shout out to two former Ohio State quarterbacks who look like big things are ahead for them. The first, of course, is Justin Fields. Yesterday, Bears reporters were raving about Justin Fields because in a kind of, you know, good against good scrimmage at the end of Bears practice. Fields was running for a touchdown, throwing for a touchdown off of a set, you know, pocket play and a rollout play. And the basic consensus of these reporters was Justin Fields is showing everything he can do. Isn't this awesome? The Bears have found their quarterback. How long can they keep Andy Dalton as a starter? Justin Fields had them gushing in Chi-Town. So good for him. We'll hope see that continue to play its way out in the regular season. But for now, Andy Dalton is the Bears starter. And Matt Nagy said, you know, we'll eventually get to playing Andy Dalton half a game and Justin Fields half a game in a preseason game. I think they'll start the season with Dalton. But look, I was going to say, if Andy Dalton struggles, Andy Dalton's going to struggle. <laughs> Bengal fans, you know, Andy is a really capable quarterback. Andy is a very serviceable quarterback. Andy has never proven himself to be a guy who can load your team onto his shoulders and take you to the finish line the way that the Bears presume Justin Fields can, or they wouldn't have drafted him high in the first round. So Justin Fields, so far in Chicago, looking great. Similarly, last night, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, by the way, their games, Central Ohio and all over Ohio, Sports fans, you can hear the Steelers on 98.9 The Answer in Columbus. We are the new home of the Steelers. I covered how that happened in my last podcast. Dwayne Haskins 
let go by Washington. Let go. Whew. Ends up in Pittsburgh and certainly looks like the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I know it's preseason, but he was 16 of 22, 161 yards, one TD. And Dwayne Haskins and Mike Tomlin seem to be getting along great. And that would certainly differentiate Dwayne Haskins from his previous home in Washington, where Ron Rivera was not a Dwayne Haskins guy. He was a Dan Snyder guy. And when the owner likes you and the coach doesn't, that's not going to be good for the development of a young quarterback. And it was not good for Dwayne Haskins. So, look out. How painful will it be for Browns fans if Dwayne Haskins ends up being the thorn in their flesh going forward? Yes, I know you have Baker Mayfield. We'll get to him in a moment. But still, Dwayne Haskins and Joe Hayden and now another, not that Dwayne Haskins is a former Brown, but he's a former Buckeye. Now another former Brown will end up, has ended up on the Pittsburgh Steelers roster and could be somebody that in a Brown-Steelers game makes a play that turns the game because yesterday the Jacksonville Jaguars of Urban Meyer traded to the Steelers Joe Schobert, thus solving a Steeler linebacker issue that arose when one of the linebackers they were counting on retired on the eve of camp. Joe Schobert is, in my opinion, and I, my opinion of Joe Schobert is different. Spiel's always loved Joe Schobert. I view Joe Schobert as like the Andy Dalton of linebackers. It's okay, but to me, he's not worth a ton of money. The Jags gave him a ton of money last year before Urban was their coach. And clearly, Urban's looking at Joe Schobert. And he's like, that dude's salary chunk on my cap is not justified because we brought another guy in and he's sharing reps with Joe Schobert. So, Joe, sign RC later. We don't know what the Jags got for Schobert. But we know they got his contract off the books, and now he's a Steeler, and he's signed for like three more years. So that Steeler defense is going to have Joe Schobert in it, and you know he's going to play lights out when he plays twice a year against the Cleveland Browns. That is your Steeler and Bengal update. Uh, now for your Cleveland Brown update. Uh, the Browns look really good. They look dramatically improved in the secondary with some of their free agent acquisitions. John Johnson, most notably among that. Greg Newsom, their first-round draft pick out of Northwestern, solidify the corner. Uh, Grant Delpit, Achilles injury last year, big-time player out of LSU who the Browns got at a bargain spot in the draft. He's still not all the way back, but they have Denzel Ward, Newsom, they, and they you know, watch out for... Rookie linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. The Browns love him out of Notre Dame. He's fast. He's a kind of a hybrid guy, so you would assume that they can use him in some inventive ways. Of course, they have Miles Garrett, and they added Jadavian Clowney. They look like on defense, they can really make some things happen. Their defense has let them down in recent years. Offensively, they do not shy away from having playmakers on offense. Obviously, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt at running back, whew, loaded. Uh, tight end is loaded, Austin Hooper, and at wideout, <laughs> Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Rashard Higgins is vastly underrated, and the star of camp so far has been Donovan Peoples-Jones, the sixth-round pick out of Michigan. Maybe he'll be the wide receiver equivalent of Tom Brady, the sixth-round pick who becomes a Hall of Famer. We don't know, but DPJ, who was... Never quite at Michigan, 
what we thought he was going to be because he's the one guy that Urban slobbered over that he couldn't get in recruiting away from Jim Harbaugh, about the only guy that he couldn't get away from Harbaugh. DPJ is big and fast and versatile and on a nice wavelength with Baker Mayfield. And so watch out for Donovan Peoples-Jones. OBJ is not yet been, has not yet been unleashed in seven-on-seven drills, but by all accounts, Odell Beckham looks phenomenal. Okay, I'm interested to see if the Browns can maximize Odell Beckham with all the other weapons they have on their team. I thought last year they became far too enamored with getting Odell Beckham involved and other guys just sort of exist rather than thrive when you're trying to prioritize Odell Beckham. I get it. He's a big-time playmaker, and when he's right, he's hard to uh, match in terms of playmaking ability. But I think other guys can take advantage of matchups that they get because Odell's on the field, and maybe sometimes it would be better to use Odell as a bit of a decoy or as a bit of an attention grabber, whereas other guys will get single coverage. He might get a man or a man and a half or maybe two men. So... I'm not I'm still not convinced that Odell Beckham is uh, the juice worth the squeeze. I would love to see him come back and play well and if the Browns want to trade him mid-season to somebody that won't hurt them down the road, do it. Do it because I just don't like the shadow he casts on a team. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. We shall see. Speaking of shadows cast on the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield is in the midst of contract negotiations. Not him personally, but his people. He says he's not bothered by it. I refuse to believe that other quarterbacks in the 2018 draft class can get paid, and Baker's not getting paid, and it won't be at least a little bit in his mind. And as I've said before on quarterbacks, the only thing I want in their mind is winning football games. I've talked before about Baker's exceedingly active emotions during games. I don't think that allows him to be the best quarterback that he can be. Add contract negotiations to that mix. And again, it is a potential, if not actual, distraction. So Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills and all quarterbacks in that draft were taken behind Baker because he was the number one overall pick. Josh Allen has gotten paid, and I understand why Buffalo paid him. $43 million per year. All right, the Cleveland Browns should not and hopefully will not pay Baker Mayfield anything close to that. He is not worth that. Unless they wait till the end of the year and he takes them super deep into playoffs and shows that he can be counted on to win them games on his own, and he really doesn't have to do it on his own because they have built a phenomenal team around him, but... I don't think he's Andy Dalton. I think he's better than Andy Dalton. I think he's dramatically better than Andy Dalton. But the fact remains, in the playoffs last year against the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes on the bench, Baker Mayfield had the ball with seven or eight minutes to go in the game and a chance to lead the Browns down the field to a go-ahead touchdown, and he couldn't do it, and they never got the ball back. And that is a fair evaluation of Baker Mayfield. I know you all love him because he's better than the litany of awful quarterbacks you had before, But the fact remains, better than bad is not enough. He has to be elite 
He is a Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall pick, and if he wants to be the highest paid player on the team and be paid like other quarterbacks, then he's got to be worth it. And Right now, I'm not saying he's not worth it. I'm saying he hasn't proven he's worth it. So I would not extend him this year. I know I just said it's a distraction. He would be playing for a contract if I were the Cleveland Browns because I would have to think long and hard about tying up the kind of money the Browns will have to tie up in Baker Mayfield relative to the contract Josh Allen just got. Now, if he'd settle for a much more modest deal, okay, great. But I don't think he's going to. And I understand why he's not going to because if I'm him, I'm like, who else do you have? They don't have anybody else. So I'm just saying it's a very ticklish situation. It can become very combative. It hasn't yet. That's good. But on Baker Mayfield, if I were Andrew Barry, the GM of the Browns, staring across at him from the table, and he indicated in any kind of way that he's bothered by the fact that he doesn't have a contract, I'd say, Baker, I would love nothing more than to give you the kind of contract you want. But I need to see more. I need to see more. And that's fair. Whether Baker likes it or not, it's fair. Okay, there's your football update. A small Dwayne Washington update. Buckeye Hoops guard went to the NBA. Broke my heart. I told you the other day he went 8 of 9 in his summer league debut. Last night, Dwayne Washington, another good game. 5 of 8, 13 points, assist, steal, 2 turnovers in 16 minutes. Okay, good for you, Dwayne. Prove me wrong that you should be in college this year. Now, with that, and before we get to the coolest baseball game I've ever seen, a reminder that Hemisphere Coffee Roaster is the place where you should be getting your coffee because it's awesome coffee. It is more than fairly priced and is going to be even more affordable for you when you use the promo code We Tackle Life in all caps. We Tackle Life in all caps. That gets you a fort. A 15% discount, 14% discount. Who would give a 14% discount? No, Hemisphere gives you a 15% discount. So order Hunter's Blend, House Blend, Java Blues, Jamaica Me Crazy, all the great coffees from Hemisphere, K-Cups, light, medium, dark roast, any way you want it, whole bean even. They'll send it right to you. Free shipping on orders over $30 or more. They are awesome people. They have awesome coffee, and they buy it direct from growers, Nicaragua, Thailand, Ethiopia. It's the best coffee you'll taste, and they do great things in those countries for the local growers. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use the promo code, in all caps, We Tackle Life for a 15% discount. Okay, I got to talk about the Field of Dreams game last night. Obviously, I was attracted to it because, like many guys my age, I love the movie Field of Dreams. When you watch Field of Dreams, you sort of have to, you do have to suspend reality because it has bits of fantasy in it. You have to play along with the story. But if you do, I think it's a magic carpet ride. It resonated with a lot of young men and men because many of us have uh, pleasant, fond, cherished memories of our father and baseball. And so that's why Field of Dreams resonated with so many people. I saw the movie uh, for the first time while on. A, an assignment in Cincinnati, a couple of buddies and I went out to dinner to watch it, uh, went out to dinner and then watched the movie, and both those gentlemen had lost their fathers 
uh, one of them very early in life at the time. And they both were emotional after that movie. When the climax of the movie, you know, makes a very emotional point about fathers and sons. And so that's, um, that's pretty cool that it had that pull on people. Now, not everybody gets it because last night I made my wife come in the room and watch the aerial shot of the original Field of Dreams field, the corn maze, which from above looks like the Major League Baseball logo, and the adjacent field where the White Sox and Yankees played. And it's as Field of Dreams-ish as it can be with 8,000 stands around it, but there's corn growing in the beyond the outfield fence, and, you know, there's a huge scoreboard, and there's stuff that the original Field of Dreams field didn't have, but it's a really cool field. And my wife comes in, and she's like, wow, it's really neat. She goes, but the movie was boring. No, the movie was not boring. It was boring to her because she's not a baseball person, but some people just don't get Field of Dreams. And despite that, you would have to be a stone-hearted person not to see that that game last night was a Hollywood script. I mean, the throwback uniforms, Kevin Costner walking out of the corn to begin the game, the players on the White Sox and Yankees walking out of the corn onto the field. I don't know how they snuck those guys out there, but that was so cool. That was so well done. Just like in the movie when Joe Jackson and the other old-time players come out of the field. So uh, the game itself, it looks like it's going to be a fairly comfortable White Sox victory. They interview their closer, Liam Hendricks, during the game. And then Liam Hendricks comes out for the ninth inning. And I've never watched this guy pitch before. I don't watch much Major League Baseball now. He's a big, hard-throwing guy. He couldn't throw strikes. He decides it'd be a great idea to throw a high fastball to Aaron Judge, who promptly deposits it like 50 feet beyond the outfield fence and center in the middle of the corn to get the Yankees within one. Then Hendricks, clearly rattled and mad and off his game, don't interview during the middle of the game, Liam Hendricks. Keep your mind on your business. Walks the next guy, <laughs> throws the first pitch to Giancarlo Stanton, who promptly lines it over the left field fence into the corn. Now the Yankees lead by one. So now the Yankees bring their closer in in the ninth. He walks a guy, and up comes the White Sox shortstop, and John Smoltz, this is great analysis. John Smoltz says, huh, something about this matchup. He's a low ball hitter, and he's, th and, he's, and he's batting off a sinker ball pitcher. And I just thought to myself, this dude's going to hit a two-run homer, and the game's going to end. And I don't know if it was first pitch. Maybe it was second pitch. Sure enough, right field. Immediately you knew it was gone when he hit it. Fireworks from the center field fence. The only thing I didn't like was the guy's celebration with the throat kind of throat slash thing. Like, come on, dude. Uh, and by the way, my 12-year-old girl remarked about that. wasn't very classy. No, it wasn't. But 9-8 to eight final, fireworks deserved. You know, if they win 7-4 to four and they blow off fireworks, okay, that's kind of, you know, anticlimactic. But, wow, what a game. And Rob Manfred's done a lot of things wrong as Major League Baseball commissioner. Major League Baseball has a lot of issues where it's almost impossible for most small market teams to win. The salaries are out of control. The residual impact of the steroid era reigns still because it's not good for the game when players like Bonds and Clemens, who are clearly Hall of Famers, did something to themselves, which I understand 
is keeping them out of the Hall of Fame. But it's not good when your great players can't be in the Hall of Fame. The Pete Rose thing is a stain on the game. I'm not saying that Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying that it's a stain on the game. And yet, for one minute last night, it was baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, Chevrolet. It was Americana. It was the first ever game played in Iowa. It was home runs into the corn. It was lots of long balls. It was a cool ending. It was just phenomenal. I mean, just phenomenal. Couldn't have been better. And so I hope they do that every year. They're, they're I would say, with not too much fear of contradiction, they're never going to get another game that good. Never going to get another game that good. So, um, wow, just amazing. And after all that, ESPN Sports Center leads with football. Not Tim Anderson's walk-off home run. <laughs> what are you doing, ESPN? Just crazy. Just absolutely crazy. So, uh, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Uh, great job. Great job, MLB. Okay, with that, let's transition to the faith portion of the podcast. Um, I got to make a personal admission here in the faith portion of the podcast. I got called out yesterday for something that I lapsed back into that is uh, not who I want to be. I've let I've I've not policed my tone of voice. I've not um, kept track of it, and it was pointed out to me by uh, some people I um, whose opinion I value. And you know, I went through the whole range of emotions that you go through. I didn't like being called out. I got defensive. I didn't argue back right with them. I just like internally was processing it and trying to find a way to uh, blame my failure on others. And uh, it kept me up at night. It kept me up at night. And I knew I had to get over that. I knew I was not um, responding correctly. It really bothered me that uh, my tone of voice had gotten out of control. Uh because I lack self-control, because I lacked awareness, and I kept it kept me up for hours. And um, you have to be humble enough to listen when people who you value say something like that. It is um, easy to say mm, they're wrong, mm, they're too sensitive. Mm, I could, you know, it could be worse. <laughs> Those are not godly responses. And I knew it. And so I knew I had to get back to a good place, um, back on the beam, back on course. And so I sat down this morning with my Bible and I was like, okay, Lord, I need to be, uh, I need to be whipped. <laughs> I need you to speak to me through your word because I know where I need to go. I just need like <laughs> to be shoved <laughs> there and so it's the 13th. That means Proverbs 13. It's typically my habit to go back a day to reread the previous day's proverb that corresponds with the date of the month. So this is how much God loves me and wants me to get back on track. I'm going to share with you just a couple verses that, in light of my lack of policing my tone, came to me today. The very first verse I read, Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I don't like to think I'm stupid, 
So, in order to not be stupid, I can't hate correction. And let's see. Then we go to Proverbs 13.1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not listen to rebuke. I spend a lot of time in Proverbs. I prize wisdom. I believe that God has shown me the path to wisdom in the book of Proverbs, and I do not want to be a mocker, and so I must listen to rebuke. Uh, And then this one, two verses later. It's not like God's, you know, trying to hide the ball from me. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. (laughs) All right, message received, message received. So then I went to uh, the book of Ephesians because last night I was, while up, struggling. I listened to a message from the great John MacArthur, and he was preaching from the book of Ephesians. And so I thought, well, let's get into the book of Ephesians to drive some of the points that Pastor MacArthur made home. And So I read through the first five chapters of Ephesians this morning, and the last verse, because God wanted to make sure I got the message, the last verse in Ephesians is in Ephesians 5, the last verse. No, it's not the last verse. It's at the top of the page, and there's a break. It's in the middle of Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. (laughs) So there you go. Those who say the Bible doesn't speak to you, mm -hmm, it's shouting at me, it's screaming at me, and I will have been sufficiently rebuked. I am still very, um, very much struggling with my tone of voice. I'm very disappointed in myself. I know clearly that I lack the ability in my own strength to stay on course. So that'll be my challenge going forth today and over the next few days as I try to remain cognizant of my tone of voice and as I feel uh, rebuked today. And I deserve it and I appreciate it because Uh, God's Word serves many purposes. To inspire, of course. To comfort, absolutely. To convict, definitely. And that's where I am today, which is not all bad. It just feels bad. Now, another verse is coming to me. Blows and wounds cleanse a man. (laughs) And so I've kind of suffered some figurative blows and wounds, and I needed to because that's not projecting the kind of person that I want to be. So with that, uh, I will uh, hopefully provide you with um, a transparent look at myself in the hopes that uh, you'll use it for whatever purpose it may have. Um, Maybe confirm for those of you who think, ah, he's a jerk. Well, yes, I am. But I'm a forgiven jerk. And I'm... uh, very, very thankful for that. Not because of anything I do, obviously. I still screw it up. So there we are. Friday the 13th, starting off with a bang, with uh, some uh, much-needed rebuke to me. So with that, I wish all of you a great weekend. If you are listening to the radio show on 98.9 The Answer, remember today's the last day that it's on 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Monday, we debut a new time slot 
11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to my weekend. Hope yours is great. Talk to you again soon. God bless.